Awesome. How's everyone doing this morning? We're good. We're nice and warmed up. I gotta say that I'm from Auckland and uh, it gets cold, but not as cold as Wellington. So, uh, my goodness, uh, it's been really windy. Um, I've been, I'm just gonna adjust this a little. Awesome. Everyone good? Hey, um, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's such an honor. I don't take it lightly um, that I get to sit at this platform and be able to speak from here, um, that you would open up your house uh, for someone like me. Um, as you heard, I am uh, the young adults and worship creative pastor, uh, basically everything um, at Harborside Church. Um, but I'm also, you know, great credit to my senior pastors. That, you know, they give warm greetings, uh, Pastor Martin and Rosalind Steele, um, over in Harborside Church in the uh, north shore of Auckland. Uh, it's, a, it's a great time over there, and what's the God move in many ways? Um, some of you may know of our conference, Manifest Presence Conference, every year uh, that we hold annually, and it's one of my favorite parts of the calendar, um, and it certainly is a wellspring for this nation, but um, I'm, I'm privileged to be here. It's an honor to speak here. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for having me. You know, I really appreciate that, that you'd uh, allow someone like me to come through. And I'm excited. I'm ready to preach. Is that, is that okay? Um, you know, it's, if, I've been around church my whole life. Uh, I grew up a church kid, so I'm a product of uh, your generosity, a product of someone, uh, of, of your faithfulness. Um, because I grew up in church, I was born in church, I was dedicated right from the start. Um, you know, if, if I ever tried when I was, I remember I think I was about 10 years old, I tried to tell my parents I don't want to go to church. They pretty much whipped me and threw me in the car and drove me along and I was the first one in Sunday school. Come on somebody. And so I've, I've been around for, uh, you know, I may be young, but you know, I've, I've church is in my heart. Um, you know, I serve the kingdom of God and I'm happy to be here. Um, so let's... Uh, I don't know about you, but it's better to cook for hungry people, amen? And my wife tells me all the time, she actually like told me off the other night because I tried to have a snack when she was cooking dinner that she like slaved over a couple of hours for, and I was just hungry, you know? You need the extra snack before you actually have dinner, and dinner's just taking too long. Um, me and my wife have this good deal. I clean, she cooks. Um, and then, yeah, so she gets really irritated if I try to have like a little snack beforehand. So it didn't really go well for me. Um, you know, so it didn't really go. But she always tells me it's better to cook when you're actually hungry. I think the same principle applies when it comes to church, when it comes to the Word of God. Um, I think my generation has the benefit of having so many things offered to us these days where we lose the value of what's really important, which is the Word of God. Um, and so it's, it's something that we need to be hungry for. So we got any hungry people this morning? Awesome, awesome. Um, there is a battle for the presence of God in our lives. Would you agree with that? where things are going on all around us that is trying to distract us from our purpose. And what I want to speak to you this morning isn't just an eloquent message or something that is off the script because I ain't about that. Uh, I think that's overrated. Um, you know, I come from a house where everything's really, you know, spirit-led. So I, I'm really passionate about this word that I'm speaking. It's uh, something I feel that it's uh, wanting to sow into your culture and what you're building here at Lane Park Church. But I want to speak on, on praise. Because I think praise is something we can easily be comfortable with. Especially when we're in church around long enough, we can kind of get used to this idea of praise. And we just, oh yeah, it's a couple songs that we do on a Sunday. Yeah, cool, clap, 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 great. Uh, but how many know it's actually more than that? You know, we under, a lot of us understand that, right? And so the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, amen? Amen? The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. 
Psalms 22 talks about how he's enthroned upon the praises of his people. Oh, I don't know about you, but the whole reason why we start our services of praise is because we want God to inhabit this place. That's why we start with praise and worship every other Sunday so that we can invite God. Because how we know we can actually do our life without God. We know that God is omnipresent. He never leave us nor forsake us. But in the same sense, there's a difference when we actually invite Him in. You know what I'm saying? It's a huge difference. And, you know, this, this ain't about just charismatic karaoke or anything like that. But this is that we want, I want us to get to a point where I can live a lifestyle that is changing an atmosphere all around me. Where it's the Spirit of God can come in regardless of where I find myself in. But that praise aspect is not just a sense of thing I do, but it's part of who I am. And this title of my message this morning is entitled Ugly Praise. But if you want a more sophisticated title, you can... Um, say the birth of your breakthrough. Um, and because how many know life gets ugly sometimes? Life ain't always pretty. I grew up around a ministry called the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And I'll tell you what, man, I got, I got gobsmacked about how real life can be for some people and how ugly it can get. As a 10 year old kid walking around Skid Row in downtown LA and seeing, you know, all these people down and out and the reality of what some people live in. And yet here I was a church kid. Happily in the suburbs, figuring out everything is good, thinking that just because I didn't get the toy I wanted, it was uh, all of a sudden a struggle. Um, in essence, to actually see what it's like to actually people live this thing, you know, where sometimes it is ugly. You know what I'm saying? But we can go through many situations in life, many events can happen, and we can't always control everything that comes our way, but we can control our spirit. We can control what, how we respond to things, amen? I know it's a bit quiet in here, but it's all good. I'm just going to preach. But I want to unpack the story. Um, a familiar Bible text that a lot of you may know of. Uh, but the characters in the story are essentially trying to control their futures. And they're trying to manipulate certain situations to get what they want. How different is that from today? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? But Genesis 29 in verse 31, we, we're talking about Jacob here. Um, we'll read this text and I'll unpack it a little bit later, but... In Genesis 29, verse 31, it says, When the Lord saw Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Verse 33, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at least my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So, she, so he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, this time I will praise the Lord, she said. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. We'll kind of unpack this text as we go, but before we move on, I just wanted to quickly pray. Is that okay? Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together. And over this next um, few minutes that we have, Lord, I pray that you continue to speak. That God, that uh, your spirit will flow in this place and your presence will begin to you know, take us to a place that, that we cannot resist. Uh, because your love and your presence is what gives us the power to keep moving forward. So Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We pray that the words that come out of my mouth be helpful to people. And that uh, they go out of this place feeling like we can change our world around us. And everybody said. Amen. Now, in order to understand the full picture of this whole text, 
Uh, we need to know the context of the story. So let me paraphrase it for a second time, and especially for us young folk, um, you know, who may not understand. You know, back in those days, it was actually kind of normal to have multiple wives. Hashtag sister wives, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a thing. But we understand that in certain social contexts, when we read the Bible, certain customs applied. You guys are still with me? Um, and so it's important to understand it, okay? Just in case you're getting confused if you're relatively near to church. But the Old Testament, we're talking about here, Jewish society, certain customs were normal at the time. But times have changed, yes, but I still think the truth remains. Jacob, at the time, 76 odd years old, still single, meets a girl at a well, eventually becomes his wife because he's on the run, he's on the run from a situation he put himself in. Ends up at Laban's house, who was his uncle, by the way. It's another funny thing. Laban has two daughters, Rachel and Leah. Rachel, the Bible says, is beautiful and well-shaped. I remember one translation says, well-figured. Um, I'll let your mind interpret that however way you want it. Um, so you can imagine... Rachel was the one growing up, probably got all the attention, got all the calls, invites, texts outs to go hang, grab a coffee, whatever you want to call it, what the thing was back in those days, let's go grab a drink at the well. <laughs> and, and then we had Leah, the other sister, who the Bible, <laughs> who the, the Bible describes as weak-eyed. <laughs> so it's probably safe to say that she probably had a good personality. You know, but I don't know what that necessarily means. You know, all, all I know is that it says it's weak-eyed. You know, you can interpret it the way you want it. But it, it, can you imagine how what we felt like for Leah growing up? You know, she's the older sister, but the younger sister's the one that's getting all the attention, getting all the invites to the party, getting all the invitations to hang out here, here and there, gets all the dates. Leah, on the other hand, the older one, Obviously, the older one's supposed to be getting all the attention, supposed to be, you know, there's a, there's a certain hierarchy when it comes to those things back in those days, right? And so Jacob obviously was in love with Rachel. The Bible talks about he was so in love with her. You can read this in a chapter before, the what I just read. And, and he finds a, you know, he, he talks to, he goes to her and was like, hey, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to marry this girl? I want her in my life. I cannot live without her. And what does he say? He says, oh, you know, you have to, you have to work for me for seven years. Seven years. The Bible says that seven years felt like days. He must have been really in love. <laughs> How many know when you're young in love, you just, it doesn't matter what kind of time frame is going on. Um, maybe, okay, maybe it was just me. All right. But, you know, we understand. Marries her. Probably had a bit too much to drink at the wedding. Because, uh, you know, obviously didn't even check the veil probably. Because in the Bible talks about how then, you know, they got married. You know, he's thinking it's Rachel. They get to the honeymoon suite. Hello, come on, somebody. All of a sudden, I realize it's not Rachel. Scandal. It's Leah. Can you imagine the shock? Right? You like knew that there's this one person that you want. All of a sudden, like, first of all, I cannot understand for the life of me, how would you not know what's not your wife? Like, would you not check that? Would you not check the veil just to, you know, when you're at the altar, just to make sure that it's the right person? Like, Rookie error, come on, mate. And then, and then he finds a place, he gets a shock. He's like, whoa, hold up. 
you're not Rachel. Then he goes running back to Laban. And he's like, Laban, 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 I thought we had an arrangement here. What's going on? And then Laban explains to him, he's like, oh, oh sorry, sorry. You gotta understand, you know, um, we, we, we marry the, the older daughter first. That's how we do it here. And he's like, what? You deceived me. If you know the story, you probably know that Jacob was the ultimate deceiver. A few chapters before that. Anyways. Um, so so, so he, he, he tells him that, yeah, I'll give you Rachel now, but you have to work for me for another seven years. Another seven years. So then he eventually takes her, you know, takes her for the week and then finally gets to marry the woman of his dreams. But part of me wonders what it was like to be like Leah. All her life being in the shadow of someone else, her sister, the one that's getting the job above her, above everything. But this is what I loved about the text that I read. The, the text said, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. And in some ways he closed the womb of Rachel as well. That tells me that the one who was unwanted, the one who was unloved, the one who felt like there was injustice going on all around her, the one who felt like she was forgotten about, the one who was crying herself to sleep, trying to figure out what is my purpose on this world? God, do you still love me? Is there still a reason why I'm here? God himself took action and stepped into the picture and allowed her to conceive. Can I just quickly speak to every person here who perhaps maybe have gone through something and maybe they feel like they're the ones who have kind of always been left out in the cast of the shadow. Maybe they feel like you've been left out unwanted to every person who grew up without a father, to every person who perhaps, you know, who's dealing with some sense of pain or rejection, but you hide it when you come to church and you don't want to tell anybody, but everybody asks you, how you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. You know, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. But really you're suffering inside because you missed out on something that you didn't get that you really wanted. God loves you. He understands your pain. Here's a way of seeing the people that everybody tends to forget about. God has a way of highlighting people that nobody cares about. Praise God for that. The Bible says, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Reuben. The firstborn, the Bible also says, Reuben means to see. And she's probably thinking, maybe you'll see me now. You see the pattern here? She names it Reuben, which the Bible interprets, as, it means to see, to be seen. Look, I can, I, can, I can see this like this, you know. She probably gives birth to this baby and she's like, finally, okay, uh, the firstborn, the first son he's ever had, maybe you'll stop paying attention to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Finally. <laughs> All right, all right, Reuben, your name's to see because, you know, he's going to see me. All right, so what kind of, you know, outfit I'm wearing, make sure my makeup's all good. You know, probably grabs her son, goes, presents him to Laban, and Laban's like, oh, great. Rachel, Rachel, where are you? Can, can, can you imagine that? She's probably feeling, oh, again? I just gave you a son. The thing that you've been wanting for like a long time? Yeah, yeah, I gave it to you, thank you. Not her. Anyways, anyways, okay, all right. But because the Lord has seen my misery, the Bible says, surely my husband will love me now. Surely they'll see me now. Surely he will love me now. Surely. Surely they'll see what I had to go through to get here today. Surely this church will start to appreciate the things I've done in the past. Surely my husband will start appreciating the work I do behind the scenes. 
Surely, surely my kids will start to understand the things I had to go through as a mother. Surely they'll begin to appreciate that. Oh, I don't know if you see where I'm going with this. Can, can these people really appreciate what I do behind the scenes? Do they not see what I've done? Do they not see the foundation that I've dug so that they can have what they have today? Do they not get it? Do they not see that? Well, let me ask you this question. Has, has your misery still got a hold of you that you can't see past it anymore? Well, you're stuck in a place where you're wondering if someone can see, see you, see the real you. Do, do, can he see that I got talent? Can, 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 can that boy see me? I'm here. I turn up to church every week. Hello. Hi. <laughs> but no. You see where I'm going with this? She has a second son, second born, named Simeon. Causes Simeon. The Bible interprets says that Simeon means to hear me. To hear me. Maybe you'll hear me now. Maybe start he'll hearing the pain that I'm going through. Maybe he'll hear, you know, everything that I have to go through, what I have to deal with every single day. The rumors that I have to put up with. You know, because you can imagine, right? You can imagine what, you know, you should be going through, like, didn't the first baby work the first time? Surely you should get it now, girl. Move on. Move on with your life. He don't love you. He loves Rachel. Just get over it. Can you imagine the kind of stuff that she had to put up with? And she's saying, you Maybe you'll hear me now. Maybe you'll hear me now. What does it look like for you? Do, do they not hear about me? Do they not hear about how good I am? Why, why do they choose to give it to that person before me? When Do they not hear that I can do this job better? Do they not hear that I, I have more qualifications, that I can do this? Man, God hears your prayer. He knows your heart. I think some of us around here need to stop looking for the validation and the perception of others and start finding themselves and really start believing that we can just stop worrying about that and start adding value to people's lives regardless of what their perception might be because we're, kept, we're, we're restricting ourselves from, from really receiving what God has for us in certain situations or a certain season because God wants to develop you in every season and every stage of life. You ain't done just because you may be in a senior stage of life. You, you, you're, not good at, you're, not just, you know, you're not a rookie just because you haven't necessarily started yet. But every stage, God tends to work on you and allow you to grow in order to get to this place where God has called you to. But man, can we just start realizing that it doesn't matter the perception of other people. All we need to do is stay focused, stay fixated on Him, keep adding value to people's lives, keep understanding that I am called, that I am a child of God, that I am here for a purpose, that God knows my heart, that here I am, that, that, that He called me before my mother's womb and prophesied a, a prophet unto the nations, that He says that I have a plan for you, I have a hope in the future, that, that it doesn't, oh man, come on somebody, I'm preaching now. What are you still waiting? Who are you still waiting to hear from? To get validation. He's all the validation that we need for this season and the next. There's always a next season for everybody, for every person. Then she has a third son, names him Levi, which the Bible says means to be together or to be attached to. Maybe, maybe he'll attach himself to me now that I got a third son. Maybe. What have you attached yourself to? 
Can I ask you that this morning? Some of us maybe have attached ourselves to the wrong people or, or the, wrong, the wrong job. Maybe we're in the wrong thing that we think is our calling, but maybe it isn't. But maybe, maybe just maybe, maybe some of us here have probably attached ourselves to a sense of contentment. Well, you know, my life's good. I've been doing this for a long time. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's time for these young bucks to step up. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe we'll, we've become content. Steady income. Everything's ready. The kids are good. You know, we, we're in, some, in some instance, we've done everything that we've done in the past. We've, we've achieved great things for the Lord. But yet we're content. We're attached ourselves to that. We're, these, we're settled in our heart. And we're happy to just come to church, but there's no expectation for more. There's no, there's no more expectation for the Spirit of God to move, that you lost that hunger once again, that lost that hunger to be part of something bigger than just yourself. Can I challenge your hunger this morning? Can I challenge that? See, sometimes we can, all right, sometimes we can get caught up in the blessing of what God is doing right now or what He's done previously. And all of a sudden, we just stop. And, and I think sometimes we kind of sell ourselves short prematurely because we think previously what God has done is great. But I know my Bible says there's always more. There's always more in Him. So I, I, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, God ever calls us to settle necessarily. I think, you know, it may look different in every stage. It may look different in every season. But man, God is, God is a God of more. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we could ask or even imagine. He's the God who's able. The God who's able to do more. Come on, somebody. Can I challenge your hunger this morning? Can we be a bit, you know, a bit more like Elisha who once said to his mentor, Elijah, you know, I want a double portion of what you carry. When was the last time we were hungry enough to be even have the audacity to ask God for that? There's always more in him. He wants to give more revelation, more joy, more blessing. Oh, if only we did enough to ask God for it. Man, we need to stop being attached to what you just have and get attached to a double portion spirit. Get attached to a response that's, that is hungry after what God wants. We see her producing lives, producing children, producing more kid after kid to overcompensate for a need of attention to overcompensate for, for her sense, her sense of attachment. What's your motive behind what you're doing today? Because sometimes it can be blurred by hurt or frustration and it can limit what we give birth to. Can you imagine what I was growing up, you know, as those kids? Because, you know, I'm a big believer in what we speak into. Come on. Language of faith. Because essentially what you're saying is like, hey, hey, see me. Hey, hear me. Hey, be attached to me. What are the words that we're sowing into our lives? What are the words that we're sowing into our future? What have we given birth to that yet we've cast doubt over? 
What are some things that we need to start changing language around the way we see things? And the thing about, I love about Elisha, Elisha went on and achieved way more miracles than Elijah ever did. But the, the thing I love about the story, when, when uh, Elijah, Elijah was just about to go up, he said, if you want that, it's a difficult thing to actually have. But if you want that, make sure you're in a position to see me before I go. All right, so that tells me Elisha, he could have been anywhere but he chose to stay in a position where he can continue to see where Elijah was going. So that when he actually left and the chariot of fire took him, he was able to receive the cloak of double portion that he was allowed him to actually step into a place of double portion, right? That tells me it's like what we're a part of matters. What we're a part of matters. I know that there's been a huge history of what this church has been built on. Man, I, can, I see vision for more. Man, I can believe that God wants to do more in this town, that he wants to do more in this area. Come on, does anybody else believe that? A double portion of what used to be? Come on, somebody, man, who has faith for that, hunger for that. Oh, my goodness. And going back to the story, she conceived again, right? And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, then she stopped having children. I, I don't I, I kind of don't understand this part of the text. It's like, wait, first of all, you want to be seen, then you want to be heard, then you want to be joined. This fourth part doesn't make sense, right? Because, you know, everything works in patterns, right? So there's a pattern where she's, she's, she's longing for security. She's longing for a sense of attachment. She's longing for a place of belonging. And all of a sudden, she stops and says, no, this time, I will praise God. In what mind would you still praise God after the first three times didn't work? Right? She got a revelation. The way I think is like, maybe, maybe she just finally got sick of it. I don't know, maybe someone spoke to her. The Bible doesn't say this. But I can imagine, maybe someone spoke to her. Maybe someone did it. Maybe the Lord in their misery stepped in and gave her the comfort that she needed. Because how many know the Holy Spirit does that? Holy Spirit is the ultimate comforter, the Bible says. He's the comforter. He's our friend. Oh, man. This tells me when we can't see past our ugly situation, when we can't see past the ugly parts of our life, our sense of insecurity in life, the part that we don't share, the story that we don't share with the pastor, you know, the, 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 the part of your testimony you don't like to tell anybody, you know, because no one really knows your real testimony. No one really knows what some people watch sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But you can feel still far away from him. And you know, that, that position where you, where you can be around church, but you, you don't feel God, you don't hear God, you don't see Him anymore, and you're supposed to be done with this thing. You're like, what? you know, you've got to be in a position where you're, it's normal for you to feel like that. Like, you have every right to feel like that, especially with what you've gone through. But what does, she, what does she do? The only thing she does, she says, I'm going to stop and I'm going to praise God. What is she doing? She's giving birth to praise. Judah, she gave birth to, which means praise, right? After that, she stopped bearing children for a moment. <laughs> Sorry, you got that one. <laughs> but I think finally she just stopped longing for his attention. Maybe she finally started to realize that there was more purpose for her life than just trying to grab one man's attention. 
Maybe she started to realize it all of a sudden. Maybe she stopped caring about what people think because people would have been talking about her. Come on, they're like the most major, they're like the family of the city. Like everybody knows who they are. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And Jacob was one of them. And so are you. And, and you know, do you know what I'm saying? After trying to be seen, trying to be heard, and eventually couldn't find anything else she could attach herself to. What does she do? She, gives, she goes, no, 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 no. I ain't going to do this anymore. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of feeling like this. I'm sick of going through this again. I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start giving Him praise. When Leah gave birth to Judah, she gave birth to praise. Let me teach you a principle. When you praise Him, even in the presence of your problem, you're giving birth to your breakthrough. Here's why. Leah. Gave birth to Judah, right? Who was a descendant of a man named Boaz, who was the grandfather of a man named Jesse, who had a son named David, who became the king of Israel, right? The same David who had a slingshot and killed Goliath, the giant slayer, who was the king of Israel, greatest king to ever live, the Bible talks about. Goes on for another 14 generations. You know, this begotten this, this begotten him. You know, the parts of the Bible where, you know, most, most young people tend to skip. And, you know, another 14 generations onwards. And we arrive at a point in Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 16. And eventually we get to Jacob, the father of Joseph. Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary who supernaturally conceived a child born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. The boy, the, the boy who the angel prophesied that would be called Emmanuel, God with us. The boy who was founded in the temple at 12 years old, preaching the good news. The boy who eventually turned into a man who turned water into wine. The man who, who decided to, 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 you know, to multiply fish and bread and fish and chips so, so thousands of people can eat. You know, the man who decided to, to, to die in a cross for our sin and three days later rose again the man the line of Judah she gave birth to Jesus oh I don't know if we're getting this I don't know if we're getting this come on somebody Jesus the line of Judah inside a bad insecure lonely circumstance an insecure relationship was the hope of all humanity came from a rejected woman who felt unloved, who felt unwanted. It gives me hope because I know that at every stage of life, there's always a part of us that ever feels like that. May not be severe to certain degrees as some other people, but there's always one sense of, of feeling that we get at times, right? And you gotta learn to give praise when your life is ugly. When it's beautiful, the, the, when it's beautiful, we love to praise God. Oh, you got a job promotion, praise the Lord. Great. But I want to make room for the king to move. Be enthroned upon the praises of your people, God. What is that talking about? That means we're giving room for the king to move. We're setting up a throne room for, for the Lord to actually come in and make something happen. Does that make sense this morning? I'm going to get the keys player to jump back up. The band can come up as well. But just to kind of close off with the story. Um, I'm a rookie to this parent life. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married for a couple of years now. And uh, we gave birth, uh, well, she gave birth really, <laughs> to our first child seven months ago. Um, so we got a seven month old. We had a dream start. Baby was like in an eight hour sleep. And then all of a sudden she started teething. 
So why don't you know what me about this, man? Everyone's just like, you, you're doing great, well done. No one told me about, like, you know, you wait till the teething starts. And uh, let's just say, being in Wellington is, uh, I've had the most sleep in a few weeks, <laughs> the last couple of days. <laughs> but um, but i got to say, like, the whole pregnancy thing is, is amazing. It's a, it's a crazy process what women have to go through. I have a whole nother respect for my mother right now. My goodness. The, after seeing what my wife had to go through, I'm like, Mum, I love you so much. Thank you for not giving up on me. You know, because uh, I stories, you know, I stories. And um, it's funny because we did, Amy did find it really hard at first, the first couple of trimesters. Um, you know, she really struggled. Um, you know, she had this whole, you know, the severe hypermesis. I think that's what you call it. Um, forgive me if I got the wrong term. Um, but like, she struggled badly. She didn't carry well. But what's funny thing about that is that even when she's spewing up, day after day, I'm like, you okay, but oh, yeah, give give you a hug. Um, What's crazy about that is that every time she'll spew up, she'll keep telling me, it's like, you know what, Sheldon? God's got us. We're going to be good. Lord's going to get me through this. Lord's going to get me through this, right? Eventually, we get to the stage where, you know, she's finding, you know, intense labor and we have to go to the hospital. And, you know, we get to the hospital. She has a labor playlist ready to go. All her favorite praise and worship songs, right? This is, thank God for my wife. She's the most spiritual person I know. Her and my mother, my goodness, my mother. Thank God for praying woman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So... It's crazy. She had this prayer playlist ready to go. And it was funny because like, uh, I tried to change the song one time and like, she just looked at me with an evil stare. She didn't have to say anything. I like, cause I, you know, I, I kind of skipped the song because I kind of got bored of it, you know? Like how sometimes we get every Sunday morning when they sing the same song over and over again. Yeah, I know some of you think like that. Come on. <laughs> and and I, I skipped the song, right? She instant. I just, I could, I could feel her words like that. I could just feel her, a spirit coming upon me. <laughs> and like, she's, I could just feel it and it's just, I'm uncomfortable. And, and like, you know, I just, I just know that, you know, I just don't mess with this. All right, put it back, put it back. So I put it back on. And this whole time, she's just like, she's, she's, she's swaying back and forth on the, on, on the ball and she's breathing. She's good. No drugs or whatever, whatever. And then it gets to the point of transition. Ladies know what I'm talking about. Wow. Okay, I was more scared of what was going on in the other rooms around me. Man, I could hear everything that was happening in that hospital. But it was funny, like, every time, the moment things got harder, Amy starts, you know, get those heavy contractions in between. And she's like, I can see how my painful it is for her. But in between every, every contraction, she's like, Sheldon, God loves us. Sheldon, I'm going to get through this. So she turns into this encouraging coach. I turn into this emotional person. It's like, yes, yes. But, it, but between every conjecture, she's like, God's graced us for this. God's going to get me through this. God loves me. I'm, I'm a winner. I can do this. Oh, my Lord has graced me for this. Oh, thank you. And the ugly, because that was ugly. My gosh. 
I know some people are like, oh my gosh, such a beautiful experience. Really? Wow. Bless you. But it was ugly, right? But I tell you what, one thing I loved about that is through the whole process, from the start of pregnancy right up until the end of it, what was she doing? She was simply giving birth to breakthrough in her situation. Every time she's like, I'm going to praise God because it's all good. God's got us covered. We're going to be okay. She had that baby with ease. Like she was sweating. I didn't even hear her like scream, nothing, nothing. Like she was fine. She had a few like awkward, heavy breathing. But, but besides that, she, she had, it was a breeze for her. But I, and I know that's not everybody's story, but I say it to simply encourage in a sense is what she was doing in that moment. She was in a, in a in like, like I said, we had an easy baby for a long time. And I know that could be coincidence, whatever, every, every baby's different. But I don't, I don't think there's ever coincidences in the Lord, right? And I know that what she was doing right from the start of her pregnancy up until then, she was giving birth to praise. And in the same way, I think so often we can get caught up in the, in the lifestyle of what we're going through. We get caught up in the world that's going on around us. And we forget about the power that's within us. That God inhabits the praises of His people. That the moment we lift up a praise, the moment that we start to declare His Word, the moment we praise in a situation when life is ugly, oh man, we're saying, God, can you come in right now? I want you in the situation right here. We're allowing room for breakthrough to come. We're allowing room for the presence of God to come in. We're allowing room for the King to have His empowerment in. Oh, come on somebody. How many believe in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Oh, I love my Jesus.